Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. Broadcasting from our Mercedes Mobile Studio. Rest in peace, son, man. This is Dan Patrick. Well, welcome to South Beach. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Interesting first hour. As I mentioned, there's no handbook that helps you deal with something like this with Kobe Bryant. And uh, we hope to pay him uh, the respect that he is due. Uh, Dan Levitard stopped by in the uh, first hour. A little bit later on, we'll talk to Jerry West. And I... I really struggled with reaching out to Jerry West because I, I love him dearly, like he's my dad, but I, I didn't know if he wanted to tell people about Kobe's greatness and, and let him mourn, and, and he reached back to Fritzy last night and said he would come on, although I did see that interview he did last night on ABC, and I and it was gut-wrenching, you know, just he's trying to put into words Kobe Bryant because he saw this greatness, I think, before everybody did, at least on an NBA level, but... He'll join us. And then Reggie Miller's normally with us on Tuesday. And Reg texted me last night and he said, Aloysius, I'm on Monday. I'm going to be on Monday. And I said, all right, you're going to be on on Monday. And we'll bring back an interview I did with Kobe two years ago after he won the Academy Award where he does talk about the greatness of his daughter in basketball. Very proud. And he had reached that second stage of his life. And uh, you just keep staring at those headlines. And it's Kobe Bryant passes away along with uh, eight others at the age of 41. And I, I just keep looking at it going, it's not real. And even when TMZ reported it yesterday, and I said, God, let them be wrong. And uh, obviously they weren't. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW, uh, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. As we make way for Mina Kimes, ESPN senior writer. She's uh, also got an ESPN Daily podcast. You can see her on Around the Horn, First Take. You can... Basically, find her everywhere on the mothership. Uh, Mina, thank you for joining us. Uh, under different circumstances, we'd be talking about this Super Bowl, but given your age, you're there with Kobe growing up with yeah. Kobe. This is after the Jordan era. I know what Jordan meant to me growing up and other players, but what did Kobe mean to you? I think so. I grew up in Seattle, and for me, and I think a lot of people my age, Ken Griffey Jr. was iconic in the sense that everyone I knew wanted to be him, basically. We all swung like him. We tried to act like him. We wore, you know, cap backwards like him. And I think Kobe kind of occupied a similar place in the sports imagination for people of my generation where everyone I knew just kind of wanted to play like him and act like him and be like him. I More than Jordan for kids my age. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering about because, you know, it was Be Like Mike and then Ken Griffey Jr. came in and, you know, he had his presidential campaign. Yeah. Like, they, they become a lot larger than life. And then when they lose their life and then you try to put it in perspective, and that's that's the hard part with it, a day like today. Um, like, how do you pay tribute in a way? Because I said you can mourn, but you celebrate. But how do you do, how do you judge, you know, how do you juggle the, sure, that fine yeah. line? 
So for me, yesterday, flying into Miami, landing on a plane from Los Angeles, everyone getting the news at the same time and sort of reacting with shock, um, that hit me really hard. But I think what sort of, I don't want to say broke me because that feels a little overly dramatic, but really stung me was seeing how old his daughter was seeing 2006 through 2020. Like that's, those are not numbers you should ever see together in that context, right? You saw the Kobe, his year in memoriam, RIP, but when I saw it applied to his 13-year-old daughter, it just kind of shook me to my core and really made me think about, in the way that death often does, it kind of makes you think about your own life and your relationships and how it feels solipsistic, but how do I relate to this person? How does this person's life and death affect me? I think seeing that really made me reflect on my own relationship with my father. I'm a sports writer because of my dad, like a lot of women who work in sports, um, because we had a similar relationship where he pushed me and sort of, uh, you know, transferred his passions to me, which was football in my case. And I think yesterday, seeing all of the remembrance about particularly their relationship caused me to reflect on that, to reach out to my own dad and just think about where we came from as well. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I immediately thought of my three daughters. They're now, now they're in their 20s. They're now asking me about sports because growing up, they never did. They just, they, but now they want to know about sports. And I go, they're, you know, my one daughter is like, now, tell me everything I need to know about the Super Bowl, Dad. I go, no, no, hon, you got to do, do a little bit of homework first and then come back you and talk. You just jump right in. Um, I tried to, and then she goes, so, Patrick Mahomes is good, right? And I go, yes. okay, yep, we're, we got a starting point here. But okay. that relationship, though, with, with your father is powerful, and it still goes on. And that's why, yeah. you know, when you see a 13-year-old and what she was to him, like she was an extension yeah. of him. And, yeah. and he, be, he I think, fell in love with basketball again because of her and to go to those Laker games because she wanted to go. I think he had a sense, too, that she would not only carry on his legacy but sort of exceed it in some <laughs> ways. No, you know, not maybe not as a player or yeah. maybe as a player, but also as someone who could be really important to the women's game. And, again, not to bring it back to my own experience, but, you know, growing up, I remember my dad explaining to me very basic football terms to get me into it, uh, you know, his sort of distorted view of the game, which was that running backs were everything, and, you know, old school football, <laughs> all the kind of dad stuff you learn. And now he has to ask me constantly for questions about things that are happening in football and changes in the game, and it's a lot of fun. You're far more knowledgeable than your dad oh, now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How would you describe your fandom, though? Because sure. when you're on... With Dan Levitard or Around the Horn, it feels like if they can bring back a clip of you as a Seattle fan, they they are quick to do that to embarrass yeah, you. Yeah, right. I know they like to surprise me with the interception, which I'm basically numb to at this point. Like it doesn't, it just washes right over me, you know. Um, but we yeah. had we had Russell Wilson's mental coach on last week. Oh yeah, Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Moat, yeah. and uh, he said that they watched. He said at the time of that interception, 124 million people were watching it. And so his job after that was to get together with Russell and get every comeback that Russell ever had from high school, college, and the NFL. And they watched it over and over and over. 
Do you need Trevor to help you get over Russell Wilson? Hey, we all need that in our lives, right? For like your low moment, someone to immediately play the highlights yeah. of your life for you, right? Yeah. Or to like Google yourself and see the nice things people have said about you or something like that, perhaps? Do you do that? No. Of course not. Who would ever do that? But yeah, if you're no. going around the horn on one of those shows, do you look at Twitter and what they say? Um, well, fortunately, it's pre-taped. Oh, like but even when to... it's actually on. I made the mistake once of looking at uh, my mentions during first take, which is live. And I re- said this before. I wasn't debating Stephen A., thank goodness, in this case, because um, – I checked my mentions, and, of course, there was some – first take in particular brings out a certain sort of audience. <laughs> and so when it came back from break, because I, again, had foolishly – this was, like, early in ESPN. One of my eyelashes looked like a caterpillar, like, crawling <laughs> because the tears had loosened it from my eyes, uh, which didn't also didn't help with the mentions. So ever since that experience, I never look at what people – especially not live because you can't see that. No, no. And I always tell the Danettes, don't tell me. Like I, you don't want to know. No, no. Yeah. They read it. I don't want to know it. Because yeah. you can't uh, – only if we've made a mistake do I want to know it. And if I have yeah. clarify something. But I don't care. I, yeah. I just – I don't. Because it – It'll affect you. You can get nine people saying, oh, you're wonderful. That one person who says, "Right, that's all you know. you're over yeah. the hill. What's wrong with yeah, you? Oberman yeah. carried you all those years. Like, you know, <laughs> you just sort of go, oh, God, I know. That, that's this, a bummer. This, this summer I had a chance to do um, color commentary for the Rams preseason, uh, which, of course, is long, live, and I was very nervous, and then I checked it, and it was a bunch of tweets all from my mom. And then I remembered, <laughs> oh, right, this is preseason football. Like, they're not – my mom is probably the main audience right now. Yeah, they're not moving out. in for the yeah. kill in, in, or, uh, yes, exactly. in preseason. How do you come up with the topic or and or guest for your podcast? For the Daily Show, yeah. yeah. Um, we're really lucky because we have so many people who work at ESPN, and we can lean on them around the clock, especially when something like Kobe's death happens. We had Ramona Shelburne on today who had a personal relationship with Kobe, wrote about a wonderful story about him in 2016 during his final season. Um, and so we usually decide a couple days in advance. You know, we had a whole slate of Super Bowl shows planned, yeah. then something like Kobe happens and kind of throw it out the window and start over, uh, which happens a lot in sports. I uh, am friends with Shelly Smith, and Shelly went through cancer, and uh, she covered the Lakers for ESPN. And she, Kobe stopped talking to her after the trial in Colorado. Said didn't like the way she was reporting on it. And she went through chemo, lost all of her hair, and then she was going to show up for media day. And people said, you know, maybe Kobe will talk to you now. And uh, Shelly wasn't sure. And then, sure enough, Kobe came up, you know, put his arm around her and said, yeah. you know, hey. And she said, hey, I, I missed this. And you could tell where, you know, what happened and that compassion where that is one thing, but this is somebody who's trying to live. And, you know, I think Shelly was always appreciative of, he was competitive in how people were covering him in Colorado, but there was also compassion that was deep down, and you didn't always find that with him. And same with Michael Jordan, uh, even Tiger. Like, there's a certain mindset of to yeah. be great, and then, you know, what are the casualties with that greatness? Uh, you know, and I, that's where I love seeing him as a family person with his daughter. I think that's the great thing about covering athletes over the course of their entire career. So many of them, we meet them when they're, like, teenagers, Right. Yeah. I mean, I 
thank God, every day no one knew me when I was a teenager. <laughs> and so we see them go through so many different phases, um, you know, some good, some bad, some really bad in their lives. But also as journalists, we try to have the capacity to mark change and observe it and I think commemorate it when it happens. It's great to see you. We appreciate you stopping by. Uh, each day, Mina has a uh, guest, and you discuss the most unique, compelling stories. It's the ESPN Daily Podcast, available for download on ESPN, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Also on uh, Highly Questionable, Around the Horn, First Take. What are you on today? Um, just this today. Oh, this is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I cleared out my schedule. Oh, I, I love that. Uh, tell your husband I said hello, and uh, she survived the Levitard wedding as well. Right? What I remember of it, yeah, yes. Exactly. Uh, Mina Kimes from The Mothership. We'll take a break. We'll come back. An interview that I did with Kobe Bryant two years ago. We'll bring that back right after this, 13 after the hour. This is The Dan Patrick Show. Out of Sleep Number Bed. If you've listened to The Dan Patrick Show, we've been talking about Sleep Number forever. We've been partners with them forever. Thank goodness. You know, you know of all this, but I'm going to tell you and again. Sleep Number Beds allow you to adjust on each side for ideal firmness. When you buy a mattress normally for one of those, you know, sketchy places, it doesn't match. If, if one side, one person likes it one way, one likes it the other, you, you got to have your sleep number set, and you can change it to whatever you want. Mine's 55, my wife's is 45, but you can have two different beds in one. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably at night. With Sleep IQ technology in the bed, it tracks how you sleep and gives you personalized insights for your sleep. But the only negative about the Sleep Number bed, we're about to go to Miami for a week for the Super Bowl. We're not going to have our Sleep Number beds with us. You miss your bed. I'm not kidding. You get back in that thing, and you just want to sleep. I really miss my sleep number bed. I'm not having gone to Miami yet. Discover a proven sleep quality at, say, 50% on the 360 limited edition smart bed now at the Ultimate Sleep Number event, only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com slash Patrick. Check it out right now, sleepnumber.com slash Patrick. I want to thank the studio audience that uh, came out to see us uh, this morning. We appreciate that. Dan and MIA.com, if you'd like to see if there are any tickets available, but uh, we'd love to have you out and uh, say hello. By the way, go to rockauto.com, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com, a family business founded by automotive engineers in 1999. Two goals in mind. First, to give you direct access to all the parts information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. If you've been told dealer only or no longer available, check rockauto.com first before you give up hope and you don't waste time and money hunting for the parts, phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com today and tell them we sent you. All the parts, uh, your car, truck, whatever you need, rockauto.com. I mentioned a couple of times that we uh, conducted quite a few interviews with Kobe over the last decade or so. And uh, one that stood out was two years ago, April of 2018. He had won an Academy Award and we thought we would just bring back the entire interview because it'll give you an idea of what a conversation is like or what in this business we hope to have a conversation instead of an interview. And Kobe, I thought, was a relaxed Kobe Bryant. And I uh, started out by asking him uh, about how his morning was going. Here's Kobe Bryant. What's up, Dan? How you doing, man? What time did you get up today? About... Uh... Four o'clock, about three forty-five, four o'clock. It's kind of normal to me now, man. I, I've been doing that for a long time. It's just, it's just pretty much normal to me. You get up that early. I don't, I don't even have to set my alarm. My body just wakes up at that point. But what do you do when you wake up? What have you done so far? Well, well, I, I've lifted weights, um, and uh, my daughter goes with me on, on 
like a day like today. Um, she normally gets up early to train about two, three times a week. And so um, we went and uh, we got a good workout in, and now they're, uh, they're getting ready for school. Can you see already the personality traits maybe of you as an athlete with oh, any of your daughters? Oh, God, yeah. My our, our middle daughter is a – I mean, she's like – you know, she don't want to smile when she's playing. It's just, you know, she wants the physical. Like she just, she just plays. Like I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm like, hey, hey, hey yeah, Gigi, what are you mad at? It's like nothing. <laughs> then, then smile. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. Well, you know, that's just she's just an intense kid. <laughs> but your wife knows what's coming. Then she she knows what this is, right? She can't. You can't stop cool. this. Well, well, yeah, but my, my wife's the same way too, right? So we're, we're sitting there playing a, playing a board game. We're playing Uno or something like that. She's just as competitive. So, you know, our kids are getting from, from both sides. Do you think there'll come a point when your daughter can beat you at basketball? Uh, no, that'll never happen. But she, she, she may be able to beat me, uh, you know, shooting. Shooting, she may be able to beat me. She, she's a really, really good shooter already. When was the first time you beat your dad? I think I was about, like, 13, 13, 14 years old. And, and that usually doesn't go over well with Dad. Was he angry? Well, well, here's the thing. It, it kind of, you know, those, those relationships of, like, playing one-on-one in the backyard and the fun that you have with your father and all that, that stuff ends the second you beat him. That's, that's it. That relationship is not happening anymore. That experience is not happening anymore. He'll never play you one-on-one ever again. Wow. <laughs> that's it. Do you still play pickup at all? No, no interest. No, I, I no, I haven't, I haven't played competitively since the last game since Utah. Here's the question I thought of yesterday. If I said now you did both of these, but if I said you could only have one on your resume, you could get the eighty eighty one, or you could get mm-hmm. the, the sixty in your last game. You have to pick between those two. You only get one. Oh man. Uh... I'd probably go with the 81 because we were like one game out of making the playoffs <laughs> that year. So we needed, literally needed every single game to get into the postseason. So if we had dropped that one, I think we would have been, uh, been in serious jeopardy of missing the playoffs that year. So I'll, I'll go with the 81. Reggie Miller and I got into a heated discussion. Like he kept saying, you're, you're going to end your career with 60. And then he put exclamation points on his text message. And I said, but 81 exclamation points. That's... <laughs> Come on. 81 and Reg goes no 60 on your last game. I, I, I'm I'm just uh, you know, I'm enjoying the fact that you guys are actually having that debate. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but we have these different debates, like people, places in history. Like, can LeBron ever be in the category the same sentence as Michael Jordan? When did you get to the point where you realized that maybe the media wasn't going to put you in that same category or allow you to get up there with with Michael? Or did they? Uh, I never, I, I never, I never thought about it. To be honest with you, like I, I've never tried to um, um, waste my energy thinking about things that I definitively cannot win. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we can sit here and debate, okay, who is better, Kobe or Michael or LeBron, and all sort of stuff. You debate that to your blue in the face. I'm not going to waste my energy on it until you develop a time capsule where I can go back in time and face Jordan in 91, 92, 93, um, put LeBron in that con- time capsule, put us all in the same era, and then we'll see what's what. But until then, I'm not going to waste my energy on it. 
Who would you want to face in their prime if you had that opportunity? Your prime versus their prime. A Michael ninety one. Oh, oh, you got the year. No doubt about oh, it. Oh, okay. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. How would that play out? Well, how do you think it's going to play out? <laughs> no, we 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 go at it. And Michael and I have had these conversations before, where we we, <laughs> we sit around and we talk about it. And you know, and I say and I say ninety one because that's we felt like the year where he was really, you know, at his prime. You know, physically, mentally, just felt like he was just an absolute bull um, in ninety one. So. I, I would I would love to see what that looks like. But you know how he is. If anybody challenges him, like he comes right back, and you know, so you guys, does he give you grief about it or? You know, I, I um, yeah, I'm not necessarily a passive person when it comes to trash talking either. Though. So, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's entertaining. I mean, we're both really creative trash talkers, so. Uh, we're talking to Kobe Bryant. He's got a new show. It's uh, called Detail. It airs exclusively on uh, ESPN Plus today. Uh, give me an idea what this is all about. Well, the, the thing about this this um, this series, it's really for basketball purists, and you know, even more so than that, it's for um, athletes, for NBA athletes. So it's um, me looking at game film and breaking it down from the perspective of being one of the players, right? So. Um, if you take uh, James Harden, for example, they just finished playing game one or game two or whatever game I decide to pick. Um, if I was James, how would I be studying what just took place in game two? Right? What would I be watching? How would I be, parent, be preparing for game three and for the rest of the series? Um, so that's what this series is. How would you guard James Harden? Um, it depends. It really has, it depends on... Um, the teammates that I have and what our what our strengths and weaknesses are. Um, so if you go back to the 09 Lakers, you know, we had a lot of lanes, right? So defensively for us, we would um, push them right. And, um, you know, we'd sit on that, uh, uh, we'd sit on that left hand and use our lanes with myself, you know, Ariza, Odom, Powell. Um, and uh, we'd blanket that shooting hand and not allow him to get to a step backs and things of that nature. Sound like a coach here? Well, I mean, I've been around some of the best coaches in the world, my man. So at some point, it's got to rub off. And you never gave any thought to being a coach. I coached my daughter's team. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the extent of it. I are coached you, my daughter's team. Are you it. good? Um. Well, I mean, they're learning, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the key, right? You want to learn. We do run the triangle offense. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's, it is, dude. It is the craziest thing in the world. Like, I, I, we'll be sitting there, right? We'll be sitting there, and I say, okay, okay, um, let's come down. Um, let's run a a, a center opposite. Um, top pass is denied. Let's go back door step, and then dribble weave with the guard coming out of the corner, and they'll go out there and just execute it. Boom. <laughs> Would you want to play the triangle in today's NBA? Um, yeah, but see, the triangle is a thing that, that can be adapted, right? And so you, people have this perspective of the triangle being a low post offense. Originally, that's where it started, but it can also be run from the high post. And uh, when you run it from the high post, you wind up opening the entire middle of the floor, right? And so you'll see remnants of that with, um, with San Antonio when they're winning championships. You see that with Golden State where the floor is opened up. Um, but the triangle gives you structure, 
right? And from that structure, it gives players the ability to read the defense. And now that you can read the defense because you know where your teammates are supposed to be because of the structure, it then gives you the ability to make adjustments and to read the defense um, instead of going out there and just simply playing and seeing what manifests itself by chance. If you didn't have Jordan to model yourself after, to whatever degree, who would you have had that person on your wall that you said that's who I'm going to be or I'm going to be better than? Well, you know, I studied everyone. So I, I was a complete basketball geek, right? So um, the parts of my game that I really modeled after Michael, but there were other parts that I, that I um, took from Jerry West, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, um, Oscar Robinson, Elgin Baylor, um, George Gervin, uh, Andrew Tony, um, Sam Jones. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So there's like everybody, everybody does like bits and pieces of the game, um, like little strengths that they all have. And so what I would try to do is study them and see why these moves work and then go out in the backyard and try them and then try them when I would play against other kids and then see why it worked or why it didn't work. And so I was a complete basketball nerd, man. So Michael gets most of the credit, but um, yeah, I really, really, really took from a lot, a lot of the greats. James Worthy is another one. Reggie Miller said that you borrowed his step-back move. He he thought he was – I did. Like he, I think you stole it, I think is what Reggie said. Did you steal I Reggie's did. step? You did? Okay. <laughs> No, I did. I'm not going. I'm not going. You know, of course I did. So <laughs> we uh we after we we played one on one. We're doing a show. You remember that show used to come on the TV? It was like a uh, Road Rules Challenge or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And Reggie and I were happened to be on the show as like some you know kind of guest type of thing. And uh, it was on a basketball court at UCLA, and we're just kind of standing there wasting time. So I said, Hey, let's play one on one. And we played, and I was able to look at that step back, you know, kind of up close. Mm. I said, like, hmm, I'm, I'm stealing that. I like that. <laughs> right? And so when I came to the league, you had two players that were really using a step back before it became ridiculously popular. And that was Reggie Miller and Latrell Sprewell. And uh, Latrell Sprewell step back. I mean, he used to jump back like six feet, man. It was crazy. Like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm guarding him here, and next thing you know, like, he's in the paint. And he takes one step, and he's in the corner shooting a three. I'm like, how the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so so you got to learn, man. you got to learn from those around you, man. you got to see what they do well and see if you can use that in your game. If, if I allow you one trophy on the mantle of any of your trophies, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you uh, have on that mantle? The Academy Award. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I, went, I mean, what the hell am I doing there? I, I, it, it was one of those where I'm looking at all the nominees, and I went, wait, Kobe's up for an Academy Award. I'm like, yeah. And then you won, and I go, damn, Kobe's getting an Academy Award. Right, like, what the hell? Like, I'm, I'm sitting there with my wife when they announced um, Dear Basketball. I was kind of looking, I'm like, what the f- Can you believe it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Like, I just wanted to write something to the game, and then uh, once I went through the process of, of making an animation film, and I called Glenn, and then I called John, I was like, oh, my God, Glenn's going to do it. Oh, my God, John is going to do it. And then, you you know, we kind of start putting the process together, the pieces together, animation's amazing, then John's music, and you're like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Nominations come out, and you're like, whoa. And then we win, and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where is the Academy so, Award? Um, it's sitting in my office um, here at the house. And I, I have it sitting there right next to the Annie Award. So we have the Annie Award um, and the Oscar, and it's um, – 
you know, I, I look at it every morning before I leave to go to the studio. How nervous were you that night? You know, it's a different kind of nerves. Because, like, in basketball, you're competing directly against someone, so you have an impact on the outcome, right? When it comes to the arts, you don't know what sounds are being created in the world, right? So there's no direct competition, so you have no room to really think about that. You just think about creating, um, finding the nature of the piece and trying to have the piece live up to its fullest potential or, like, it's, it's, it's truth, right? And then when you're sitting there at the Academy Awards, I mean, it's already been decided. Like, there's out of your control, right? So it's a different kind of nerve. Movies, I guess, on the horizon? Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll have the show detail, which is uh, was out now. It's out now on ESPN+. And then after that, we uh, we have a children's podcast, which is going to be really, 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 really fun uh, for families to really enjoy um, in uh, late July. And, uh, and then in March of 18, we'll be releasing our first novel. And we have a series of them coming out. Probably we'll probably release about three a year. And the first one will be in March of eighteen, um, wow. which is uh, and they're all centered around sports fantasy and sports magic. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. I got uh, Andre Ingram. He's joining us in the final hour of the show. What a what a story is that? How That's great was incredible. that? Okay, but Reg, Reg, I'm still used to having these conversations with Reg. Kobe, how, why did it take a guy that good at three-point shooting 10 years to get into the league? Uh, it makes you, makes you question some of the GMs in the league, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paulie, do we have how many points is Andre Ingram behind uh, Kobe? Yeah, Andre Ingram has, is 33,619 points behind Kobe on the all-time Lakers scoring list. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, he's got he's got some work to do, but he's off to a great start. He's, you know, his first game was better than mine. What do you remember about that first game? That I didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember about the first game you played? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, my I was my butt was glued to the bench. That's what that was. Um, but no, Andre Ingram, man, what a story, man. I mean, it's a, you know, being able to have the determination to stay with that dream. You know, for 10 years, oh. that, that belief, that conviction, that's going to happen. And then they get the opportunity and to not capitulate to that pressure. Because, you know, if you're, like, you're chasing something for 10 years and now that moment's here, that pressure can get to people. And it didn't, I mean, he just stepped right into that light, man, and uh, off he went. So I think this is just the beginning for him. That was incredible. Hey, one of these mornings when you're not doing anything and you hear Reggie Miller on the show, I'd love for you to call in just so, you know, you can, you can rough up Reg a little bit. <laughs> because he, right, he hasn't forgot any of this stuff. Like, you know how competitive, he's just as competitive. Like, he's like, you know, Kobe stole that from me, and he's always got his stories about Jordan and how he and Jordan got into a fight. And, you know, so yeah. if you ever, you know, yeah. if you ever get it, you know, like 10 minutes and you can rough up Reg, we'd love to have you. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Hey, good luck with all the, uh, all the business ventures there. That's uh, great stuff, and uh, Thanks, good luck with man. detail. Appreciate it, man. Good to catch up with you. That's the reason why I wanted to bring it back. There's a lot in there, a lot to unpack, and and you can hear him. It, it becomes a conversation. I'm not. I don't have to work. He's he's meeting me halfway, and then some. Challenging, um, but you know he's curious, and that's what I always that that trait stood out, still stands out when I think of him. We'll talk to Reggie Miller. Reg normally is with us on Tuesday. He texted me late last night, and he said. I'm on the show. I got to be on the show Monday. I got to. And uh, we'll talk to Reggie Miller. He'll join us coming up next here on the Dan Patrick Show.
It's the greatest time of the year in sports. NFL, college football, MLB, NBA, and NHL. What else can a sports fan ask for? All the action you want is every day at one place and one place only. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all this incredible action at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Pritzi just saw the news that Kobe Bryant's going to be inducted with the 2020 class in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Reggie Miller is a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, Turner Sports NBA analyst. Reg normally with us on Tuesday, but given the circumstances, uh, wanted to be on today to talk about Kobe Bryant. Hi, Reg. Uh, good morning, Theodore, my Danette. Um, look, this is going to be a tough one for me. Um, because, you know, I, I felt that I really helped raise this young man. Um, Kobe was 17 or 18 um, when he joined Arntellum at the time, our, our agent. And uh, I, I just vividly remember the conversation since I was one of the senior, you know, statesmen of the agency. You know, he want, really wanted me to kind of talk and mentor to Kobe, you know, this young, flashy, you know, Philadelphia kid coming in and just kind of, you know, tell him and show him, you know, direct him down the right NBA path. And I was like, sure, you know, I'm down for that. So, you know, a lot of conversations with young Kobe and his main focus was not only to be great, we all, we all know that, but he he loved Michael Jordan, and he wanted to be the next Jordan. And you know, at that time, MJ and I were heading but headbutting one another and going at it. It was during you know some of those playoff runs versus Chicago, that one epic seven game series. And he wanted to know every little thing that we, you know, the trash talking that went back and forth between he and I. What was this move he did against you? That move you did against him? He he was the little details he wanted to know, and I'm like, why does this kid want to know all this stuff? You know, like, you know, really? But he was taking notes. He was already formulating formulating a plan, and um, to see him grow over the years to where he and I were having issues and problems and fights. But none of that matters because the true competitor that Kobe is, it's, I I, kind of, this day resembles, and I remember coming on your show as well, is when Michael Jackson passed away. And I remember talking to you on this show saying I cried like a baby. And I was like, I don't care if people know. I was crying like a baby yesterday because a lot like Michael Jackson, 
we opened our homes to Kobe at such a young age. I mean, this, he was a kid coming to us. So we embraced him. We saw him grow up in front of us. And it is just a – I cannot believe this, Theodore. I cannot and, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on, Reg. It's just like Jerry West who's going to come on at the top of the hour. I, I, I didn't know. I juggled with the sensitivity of this because I know that you, you know Kobe. You knew Kobe. You helped raise him, as you, you say. And then how do you put into words? Because you never think you're going to have this moment at age, you know, 41. You're, you're looking at saying goodbye to somebody who's 41 years of age. And, uh, so I, whatever words you have, um, we appreciate, and everybody certainly understands the emotion attached to this. Um, I like the fact it, it that adds to, it adds to it too, as well as you know, there was nine total people lost in this, and the in yeah. the the families and the tragedy. But Gigi has it 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 just compounds it um, as well because you know she was going to be the next one. And you see them at all these sporting events, you know, at the UConn games. She came to the UCLA women's games, the men's games. The or, You know, they've been a lot of places together watching basketball. And you see him tutoring and teaching her, whispering in her ear. It's, it's somewhat surreal because all the knowledge, all what I just mentioned about him taking notes, he was taking notes not only for himself to be a five-time champion, two-time gold medalist, win an Oscar, and he is supplying all this information over all these years since he was 17 years old professionally, and he's given it to his four daughters and his wife. It's, you know, it's pain it forward, and it's, it was beautiful to see and watch. You saw him at Laker game recently, didn't you, a couple of months ago? I did. I did. Yeah. It, and, um, you know, we hugged and we talked because – it was funny, the Kobe that and the relationship he and I have had over the last, since he's retired, his last year and retired was great. When we played, you know, at that shooting guard position, it was cut or be cut, right? It was, you know, you were coming for people's head. And he was such a competitor. And, you know, to me, he was a throwback player to the 80s and 90s when I played because he, he literally would do whatever it took to win, and he wanted to embarrass you. And I loved that about him because I was very much the same way. I wanted to embarrass you. Kobe wanted to embarrass you in front of your family and friends, and I loved players like that. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons probably why we didn't get along on the court is because we were so much alike. We're talking to Reggie Miller, the Hall of Famer, Turner Sports NBA analyst. I, the word I keep coming up with when – I just, I, you know, I mentioned the name. I, he was always curious. I loved his curiosity. And, and you mentioned this about basketball. He was curious with life and, and trying to figure out things. He, I, I don't think he was ever embarrassed or ashamed to not know something. He was embarrassed or ashamed if he didn't try to know something, that he just wanted, there was a thirst there. So I could understand where he just started accumulating all this information on being a great basketball player. But also at the time, Reg, and you were there when Tracy McGrady was the next Michael Jordan or Grant Hill was the next Michael Jordan. We, we kept kind of christening, that's the next Michael Jordan. Kobe wanted to be the next Michael Jordan. 
these other players were like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be Michael Jordan. Kobe's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I mean, what better compliment are you going to say I'm the next Michael Jordan? He, I think we wanted him to become the next Michael Jordan. He emerged as the original Kobe Bryant. Uh, Theodore, a day after, maybe two days after that seven-game loss that I had against MJ, Scotty, and the Bulls, he calls me. And we're having a conversation about that game. And, you know, I keep referring to MJ as that black cat. You know, I, you know, I'm like, that black cat, man. He, you know, he just kept willing those guys. You know, we had him down. He was struggling. But he would, you know, he kept the pressure on us. And, you know, the, you remember that movie he did? And, you know, it was stone silence on the other end of the phone. He's like, you know what? I'm going to become the caramel cat. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you call him the black cat, I'm going to become the caramel cat. <laughs> what are you talking about, though? So it's it just funny, like, because I was so upset after that series because I wanted to retire MJ, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, here comes the next MJ that I'm talking to on the phone right here. So, uh Look, and this is why I wanted you on today because I know yesterday hurt, but today should celebrate, and and that's it's important to hear that he was too good to not yeah. celebrate, and and I know yesterday was tough for you, and that's why I didn't reach out. Uh, I'm glad you reached out to me because uh, I I hope it's a little cathartic for you to to talk about fun things and really what made him a special player. Let's remember those unbelievable epic games he's had, but also all the things he did in the Philadelphia and Los Angeles community uh, in taking care of kids. He always was a champion of the underdog. Uh, we know his greatness on the court. That will forever be in, the, in images and videos and pictures. We know that. We get that. A lot of people didn't see what he was doing behind the scenes in helping people. This, he was helping people. So please remember that, and let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate Kobe. It, it's great to be sad and cry. Look, I was painful yesterday. I was broken. But I am going to celebrate Kobe Bryant. Hey, um, you got a game this week? Well, if they, Turner, they switched us and put me on that Lakers-Clippers game Tuesday. So it's going to be great to be a part of that and be in that atmosphere Oh, and boy. feel that love, and oh, feel boy. that love. It's going to be a tough game, but yeah. I, I'm just so glad that Turner uh, put me on this game. We're having the studio guys come out, Charles, Shaq. I, I, I can only imagine what Shaq is going through. I mean, we this is this is a family. This, you you don't understand the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make it to the NBA, and then to be great, to be part of the route, Mount Rushmore like Kobe. I mean, Kobe is great. It's a it's a small brotherhood, and we lost we lost a humongous figure in our family. That's why it's tough for us to to comprehend Theodore. It really is. But we are going to celebrate Kobe Bean. Great to hear from you, Reg. Uh, we'll be watching tomorrow night Clippers and the Lakers on TNT. Thank you, buddy. Love you, Theodore. You're the best. Thank you, guys. That's uh, Reggie Miller, and uh, I knew he had a tough day yesterday. I had heard that he had a tough day, and I just thought, you know what, it's good that he'll be on Tuesday, and that'll give him a little bit of time to grieve, and then, uh, you know, because he saw him as a kid, 
And then all of a sudden, you know, at age 41, and you're like, how do you process all this? And of course, everybody else who passed away as well. Jerry West will join us. And I know that yesterday was tough for him because I saw him on TV on ABC. And uh, hopefully we can celebrate Kobe with Jerry West. And Michael Irvin, the playmaker, will join us coming up. Two hours in the books, one more to go. Seton Pauly, Fritzy McLovin, yours truly. This is the Dan Patrick Show. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's get it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Can you call in your shot again? A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's, a, it's a very clear message. It's two stars in the Brown AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two, off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court, I think in this case is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Oh, hey!